Welcome to episode 125 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Alice, David, Melinda, and Sherry. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Alice, David, Melinda, and Sherry, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Have you attended an Al-Anon or AA conference? Maybe you went to the AA International Convention this year. Or do you wonder what's the big deal? What might you bring home from a gathering of people in recovery? Today, we will share some experiences of attending recovery conventions. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to this topic of conferences and conventions. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me today is Annie. How are you doing today, Annie? I'm great. All right. And next to Annie is Alvin. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Oh, that's great. So we're going to talk about uh, recovery conventions, because I know you guys have been to at least a couple. But before we start that, uh, maybe you could say just a little bit about yourself, about what um, brings you into recovery, or if you don't want to, don't you don't have to. Um, my name's Annie, and I've been in the program a year as of today. And um, what brought me into the program is um, a loved one of mine uh, entered the other program, and uh, I, I thought that that uh, I could get help, and 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 I just kind of thought that's where I was supposed to go, and that was pretty much all I knew until I got to the meeting. <laughs> I see. Did somebody tell you you should go to Al-Anon? How did you hear about Al-Anon? I actually heard about Al-Anon on TV on a reality rehab show. Really? Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was Dr. Drew Pinsky on Celebrity Rehab, I believe. All right. Alvin, you want to say anything about uh, your recovery background? Yeah, I came into Al-Anon not too long ago, maybe a couple months ago, actually. Um, And I am uh, a double winner, so I'm in um, AA as well. And um, so I experienced Al-Anon through um, Annie, and uh, I saw... um, my first meeting, I saw like a really uh, serenity focus, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've gotten something different out of that program, and that I really, you know, seek to learn more um, from from that. Even though it's the same twelve steps, there's a different, a little bit different focus. So, yep. Okay. Like I said, I, I know you've been to at least a couple of conventions. Um, could, why don't you uh, maybe talk about what prompted you to to go to a, a recovery convention? I don't remember where I heard about the first one that I went to, but it was only about three weeks into my time in Al-Anon that I, that I went. And I was mostly probably driven by curiosity and interest in, in exploring. You know, I was still very much in the exploratory phase of, of the program. Um, they, they recommend going, you know, at least six different meetings. Um, to see if Al-Anon might help you. So I thought this was another thing that that I could see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a convention of Alcoholics Anonymous with official Al-Anon participation. 
So I thought that was interesting, the two programs together, kind of sister programs. Mm -hmm. What did you expect? I mean, I guess you expected to learn a little bit more about recovery or see a different side of recovery, but sort of more um, prosaically, perhaps. What did you expect to happen? What did you expect to see? What did you expect to do? I didn't really know what to expect. Um, Okay. I, I knew that it was going on all weekend. Um, I expected it to be people from both programs in a hotel. I think that I saw the schedule ahead of time. Um, perhaps it was uh, posted on a website or a flyer. It must have been posted on a local website or something. So I expected there to be some panel discussions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or workshops. I didn't really know what the structure would be when I went to those because I'd never been to one before. But um, it, the, each one had a different title, like a different topic, like um, relationships and recovery, for example. And then there was supposed to be like a dance and a dinner. And okay. so I just kind of expected sort of a, a, a general outline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alvin, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect either. I just entered my program, and so I was just uh, interested in probably meeting more people and uh, figuring out what was going on there, getting involved and immersed into a new social aspect of my life was something that I knew was going to have to happen. I figured it was going to have to happen at some point and would be healthy for me. So, um, yeah, I, I checked it out. I was apprehensive uh, at first, and it definitely was something that was very important um, in the grand scheme of, of things. But yeah, I was at three weeks in as well. I was very uh, in a very confused wow. state in my life. And um, so uh, I didn't know what a convention was, except that there was a lot of people and I heard something about, about a party. So I was very uh, intrigued about what a, a party without any drinking and sobriety <laughs> meant. And so I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. So I, I actually had thought about that as you were talking that Maybe this was the first experience of, um, you know, how do you have fun without drinking? Uh, because, I mean, God, I know when I was young, I didn't, I didn't know how that was possible either. How was that experience for you three weeks into sobriety to go to a, a sober dance? Um, it was interesting. A lot of people watching, not a lot of participation on, <laughs> on my end. Which is kind of what I can say early recovery was a lot about for me, was uh, a lot of taking it all in and uh, not necessarily acting on Im- immediately on feelings, emotions, and, and things. So, yeah, I was taking it all in. It was uh, definitely interesting that there was a lot of people having some genuine fun because it, it's pretty easy to detect, at least for me, when people are genuinely having a good time or whether it's being influenced by it other agents mm-hmm. um you know also you know i was definitely had um some anxiety about the, the whole thing and so you know i was trying to keep myself uh calm and you know i really didn't know exactly how to go out and have a blast at that point is definitely um something different for me but overall it was a good experience because um though there wasn't a lot of participation out at all um i definitely saw a lot of people having some genuine fun i got to see some things that made me feel comfortable you know, some attempts to make it look fun with some lighting and some professional sound and audio and things like that. And, uh, again, I didn't know what to expect, but, um, I didn't participate too much myself. I was an observer and I saw a lot of people genuinely having 
fun, which gave me a little bit of hope, you know, which yeah. is kind of uh, the continued story here is uh, whenever there'd be like a, a downtime for me, I would go to a meeting and, you know, get some hope. So, mm-hmm. Annie, how about you? How did the, how did this um, party, this dance um, feel to you uh, as a new experience, probably, huh? It felt kind of hokey and uh, kind of like like when you go to maybe a distant cousin's wedding and they have a, a the wedding reception in a in a Holiday Inn and there's a dance with like two speakers up on you know stilts and some cheesy DJ and you know a couple people like older people like doing like the hokey I don't know the twist or something <laughs> you know it, it but but I was I was also struck by. Those few people on the dance floor, they do not care, and they look like they're having a lot of fun. And I guess the the first initial uh, impression I had of, of like, whoa, that's pretty hokey looking. I think that probably came from my experience being involved in the underground music scene, mm-hmm. and I've been to a lot of uh, dance parties. Mm-hmm. So, feel like that's sort of like my wheelhouse a little bit. Okay. So, okay. Little, little. So you were coming judgy. from several different places, and and, and yeah, yeah, being judgy, sure. <laughs> well, we all do that. Never um, seen it before. <laughs> you know, that was a new one for me. Uh huh. What else did you do? Did you you went to some workshops, some panels? Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember anything in particular? I remember the main speaker, or one of the uh, two of the main speakers. Um, we caught the Saturday night and the Sunday morning. And, um, this was purely just sort of like it worked out in our schedule to go to that, to those things. And I just remember being really moved by, by both of them. They were very different in, in style mm-hmm. and in content. Um, we tried to get to a panel, but uh, I think we're a little bit too late. It was early in the morning and that's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> So we're both speakers, uh, AA speakers. Yes. Do you know if there was an Al-Anon speaker at that at that conference? I don't remember. Um. I think at that point there wasn't a super strong focus for us to look for those. But huh, it was okay. kind of also like she had mentioned there was um, what worked out with our schedule. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, we only had the time slots for really those two things, and they happened to be both AA, which was, you know, mutually beneficial. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though they weren't AA, you know, um, and they were, you know, definitely um, great in different dynamics, the two speakers. We caught another panel as well. I just remember that um, was something about people in AA who had, had relapsed. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it was like relapse prevention, maybe, or, or something like that. And that was really interesting because that was five different people speaking. So for you, Annie, um, hearing about relapse, was that how did that hit you? Uh, because I know when my loved one was was in treatment and and I went to the talks about relapse, uh, I was very much in denial that that was ever going to happen in my family. And um, it, those of you who've listened to the podcast for a while know that it did happen. Um, so I wonder how did that hit you sort of maybe emotionally? Mm. I remember being really interested and intrigued and wanting to learn 
I thought everybody was very genuine. So I was very engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, I was preoccupied with Elvin, (laughs) (laughs) um, who seemed miserable and didn't seem to be paying attention. And I noticed, uh, some things I thought, well, he can't be paying attention. And I thought, you know, oh, this is, how can he not? You know, I was so, like, moved by these people, you know. So I was feeling kind of this, like, frustration, but also, like, this engaging, and this is moving and interesting. I think, yeah, I think I probably thought, you know, really, this probably won't happen to me. In fact, I think I remember after after that asking a question to to Elvin, do you think you might relapse or what what would you do to not relapse or something like that? It's kind of a stupid question. Uh, <laughs> totally understandable question, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. So he could probably tell you what his answer was. but. <laughs> so do you remember that workshop? I, I do actually remember it. As soon as she mentioned it, I do remember it. And it was actually pretty pivotal. I, uh, I know I could say uh, I don't remember a lot of specific moments, um, but that um, was very crucial that that weekend though I I had a lot of miserable moments that is for sure you know I I kind of tried really hard to be engaged but I was a lot uh, very uh, lonely tired and hungry yeah. and there was there was other forces fighting against me I guess you could say mm-hmm. but uh, I do remember I'm um, taking some notes on the speakers which is kind of one of my methods on forcing myself to be involved and so when she did ask me on what I was going to do to prevent our relapse, all of their answer, I mean, I knew the answer because uh, it's easy for me to study my notes and answer, but putting that into practice, but it was, is, is something different. What I was going to say is that me writing that down and her asking me that question, it was really pivotal throughout my recovery because I always remembered that answer, which was, I'm going to complete my fourth step and do it thoroughly and keep going to meetings because that was kind of everybody's weak point was that they thought they got it. They thought they had this thing licked. Um, the, the fourth step is, uh, very introspective and sometimes looking into the, into the mirror and seeing your soul isn't exactly, uh, the most beautifying, um, <laughs> yeah. experience. Um, you know, and, and once you, get into it you realize what the purpose is and things but you know it was also you know i answered it in that manner but at the same time it put put the fear of god into what this fourth step was Mm -hmm. i didn't know um but i was scared of it in advance um though so like i said i knew i knew the right answer (laughs) to her question i didn't know how i was going to put that into practice and it sounded really scary Uh, it was very intimidating Mm -hmm. um to think about whatever this fourth step was, no, of these people didn't make it make it through it, and they relapsed. And some of them had varied um, amounts of sobriety already, yeah. but they were all there as a panel of under a year um, at that point. So they were like a new, you know, uh, new in sobriety again. But I think some of them had up to ten years in and out of AA. I got to say, when I when I went to a talk once. An open talk and and the fellow talking talked about his relapse which occurred after many years of sobriety and at this point I don't remember how many 
Um, that really scared the shit out of me because I figured, you know, hey, we make it a year, we make it two years, you know, we're we're golden, and and oh, this really could happen at any time. Um, and now that I've been in my own program for a while, I understand how if I don't keep working the principles of the program, if I don't keep working the steps in my daily life, I fall back into mild patterns of behavior, which we're certainly. Um, destructive and and not healthy for me and the people around me. I, I I don't pick up a drink. I tend to try to pick up a a person to fill the hole in my soul. But you know it is what it is. And uh, and and I think we all um, have our own our own relapse potential. I guess. So when you came home from that. Um, Sort of, what did you bring back with you right away? How did you feel about it sort of right afterwards? And then maybe a week or a month or so later, looking back at it, did did that change? Well, I remember coming home, driving home. I remember that uh, after that last event that we did there, we did uh, the Sunday morning speaker who was a woman from, I believe, Scotland. And she had this wow. amazing story, you know, the kind of story that, brings you to tears. Oh yeah. We we drove we drove past um a cemetery. I remember thinking when we drove past the cemetery that this was I think I even said it that, you know, I'm really glad we went and this was really worth it. Mm-hmm. Um and I got a lot out of it that I didn't think that I would or I never expected. You know, those, those people that go and speak at a lot of different conventions all around, um, they really have their story nailed down and, and they will, you know, say the same jokes in different ways, but they're just really good speakers, right? You know, they're, they're not saying, um, and, <laughs> you know, like it, it just comes out really well. So you can really hear the, the message that they're trying to, to get across. And, um, it was really moving. And then after that, when I would mention that I had gone to the conference, it was the Tri-County Conference, some people were like, oh, wow, oh, cool, really? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, doesn't everybody want to go or doesn't everybody try to go? Or So I was like, this is a cool thing. You know, I'd go to another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never been to an event larger than our district. Once a year, they have a gratitude day for Al-Anon which is sort of a two- or three-hour event on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to one of those, I think, maybe even my first year in recovery. Definitely came away sort of inspired and and fired up. There must have been, I don't know, a 1,000 people at that conference, you think? I have no idea. Really? Tri-County. I don't know. No, yours. Oh, our event. The- uh, probably that one between one and... 2000. Yeah. So the energy of, of a crowd that size must be really different than a, a, a group of, I don't know, must have been, maybe there were 20 or 30 people at this. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of like a, a meeting, but it was people who were from all different meetings around, yeah. around the district, that thing that I went to. I've been to that uh, yeah. th- this year. It was definitely small compared to a convention. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend a convention. Yeah. So that one, that one was sort of local area. You could drive for the day, mm-hmm. come home at night. Um, how about you, Alvin? How did you feel? Um, you know, what did you bring home from it, and what did you keep from it? I guess that 
putting those questions in a different sense. Yeah. What I, what I brought home was, uh, still some more skepticism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I went through a whole, a whole lot of that, um, in my early recovery, I, I knew that though I, uh, I, I didn't know about the program and I had some hangups, I knew I, I wanted to stay sober. So I wanted to continue, even though I had mixed emotions about even the people in it and, and a lot of things. I, I reviewed a lot of my notes, um, Sunday morning before we went in and it, and, um, I was finding a lot of, I was looking for negativity and some things and I found it. I, I found that no matter what, if you, what you're seeking, you will find. And, uh, um, I actually talked to somebody and he kind of just played it out real simple to me. He's like, if you want to stay sober, this program can work for you. If you want to let it work. That's one of those things that I remember, as I have mentioned, I don't remember a lot of specific moments, but that's one of those things and, and Annie actually put that person in in my path. Just kinda threw me under the bus and it worked. <laughs> um, said, oh, I know what what was this? <laughs> Elvin's critical about things. Talk to him about that. Was this at the convention? Yeah. Um I think oh, it was Oh yeah, I remember now. Sunday after hearing the speaker the night before, I had thrown a lot of things in her face as to why this program loopholes. Yeah, loopholes and this guy's talking in circles and, and I'm not saying that he wasn't. Um, to this day, I know what I heard and I wrote these things down, but the fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter. Um, and that's what the guy made clear to me. Like, if you're looking for those things, sure, you can find them. You can find problems with any program or anything that's met, you know, organized on a, on a big level. That was, uh, not accepted by me at first. Mm-hmm. As I said, I walked, mm-hmm. like, it went home. Still not quite sure about it, but overall, it's one of those things that, that kept on eating in the back of my head that, I was looking for that and I found it and, um, and I've never found, uh, circular reasoning or thought ever since then because my, my thought pattern has changed since then and, uh, I was a lot more accepting. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a really important event, um, for me and I definitely got much more out of the second day. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I started off kind of, um, in a not great mood, our, our day, that, that day actually ended up really well. And those were the days that there was some, some weeks more bad days than good days, um, uh, for us. Um, and that day was good. And I do remember her saying, driving by that cemetery and saying, mm-hmm. saying those things. And, uh, we actually, uh, had a really good afternoon together and it was really, it, I might be able to say that was one of the first uh, first examples of the program working in me that it gave me a kind of a calming feeling, mm-hmm. um, maybe on a, on a bigger level, you know. And definitely seeing a lot of people is is has yeah. its, has mm-hmm. its own benefits and experiences, you know. That kind of just seeing that many people are are getting you know some personal benefit out of this this person. Uh, why wouldn't I? Is kind of uh, you know, what I thought then. And, and the, the more conventions we've gone to, the more that's expanded, I guess. Right. So you said more conventions. So, so what other conventions have you been to? Um, we went to one six months later that's actually uh, bigger. And eh, I've heard people like it a little bit better. Um, and, and that's called the March Roundup. Uh huh. And that, that's in Dearborn, Michigan. And it's, it, it sort of pulls people from kind of the same region. Yeah, pretty much all Metro Detroit area. Some Ann Arbor. Um, Ann Arbor's Metro Detroit, depending who you talk to. Exactly. 
<laughs> or not. <laughs> and uh, so that one, um, what did you find there that was maybe new or different from the first one? That one was fun because that was the first one we got to experience with other people, not just us going as a couple and feeling uh-huh. feeling like we're not part of the community. So you went with other people that you knew in the recovering community. Yeah, I had gotten to know people in Al-Anon. I'd gotten to know people in AA that the Al-Anons knew, that I knew. Um, I had been listening to um, Mark's Recovered podcast and your podcast. And um, I could start to uh, feel that I was connecting with the, the, the community as, as a whole. And uh, I invited friends from Al-Anon that I have, uh, that I talk to on a regular basis outside of Al-Anon meetings. My friend in Al-Anon met up and, and her boyfriend from AA, they met us up there. And that was fun because we got to uh, go to the big speaker together. And then she invited me to have dinner with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of showed up at a restaurant and she's like, hey, this is my boyfriend. These are all his friends. And here's everybody from the Recovered Podcast. And, you know, <laughs> we're these three tables in this restaurant. And, oh, wow. <laughs> hey, you're from Ann Arbor. And I found out that, um, yeah, there's a very uh, eerie-ish sort of connection to, to somebody um, that I had known there. It was like small, small world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of, of the community. things you got from the, from the second convention was a lot more um, mm-hmm. community. I can say the same thing. Obviously, both of us at this point had um, established some uh, friendships and at least uh, some acquaintances in our, uh, our programs. And so, you know, just going down the hall, Halls. I mean, I just knew that a lot of people that I went to meetings with were going to be there. I wasn't at this point hanging out too much or socializing. I didn't really socialize too much. So, mm-hmm. um, I was still a little bit isolated, but going down the hallways, we definitely recognized, mm-hmm. recognized people. And that made me again feel a little bit less like an outsider. Um, for me, it was a first, it was, I had a couple of first experiences. Um, first of all, my, my, one of my sisters that is not, in any of the programs, um, she went as a support and I want and mm-hmm. continue to try to expose my family, um, to, um, to recovery in any way possible. Um, so she got to go and, um, we, uh, we I experienced actually an Al Anon meeting, an open one for my first time then. And it, and my sister went with me while it was, uh, it was, it was my first exposure to Al Anon, um, separate from, uh, experiencing it through her, mm-hmm. um, which w- was, um, it was great for me. It was, it was really a, a good, um, it was good because it was again, and I was, I was an outsider looking in and, um, I didn't understand a lot of what was going on, but I instantly recognized a lot of the similarities. Uh, I recognized um, the love um, that was being felt towards the qualifiers, and the you know just the the standpoint, and uh, it it that by itself is 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 sobering, if you will, um, to 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 see the other side of things, to see some of the suffering going on in the other side. So that was it was definitely a positive experience. My sister um, pre- seemed like she was warm to it, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, 
So that, those are the first aspects to me. And then, um, again, walking into a ballroom with even more people than we saw <laughs> significantly than the Tri-County uh, Conference, that, again, has its um, emotional and spiritual, for me, you know, kind of connections like, wow, this is this is, this is good. You know, um, things were growing for me and then, you know, in my personal life. And then I see this, um, my, that was, it was, it was bigger than the last thing I went to. And so that was cool. Um, I sat in on a couple of workshops without Annie and that was uh, positive as well. And it had a lot to do with, um, having, uh, fun. Um, um, so I got to see that there is again, fun because how uh, in a sober life, because I still yeah. was, um, I was, trying to not trying to but i was a little i was absolutely isolating um at that point um just a little bit apprehensive on um going out and experiencing um fun and just not wanting to get back into an old mindset and you know just making sure that when i did go out it was for the the right reasons and that i wasn't trying to experience uh them uh, you know having an uh, incorrect experience i guess you could say so i got some benefits that was the top the topic of that uh particular panel you're speaking about was fun I i think so it's just an example of some of the topics you can have at these yeah, conferences. So, so do you remember what, what workshops or panels that you went to, Annie? I went to, um, I remember going to one alone. I think it was a ninth step one. And do you remember any of the other workshops that you went to by topic or convention? Yeah, there's a lot of step topics um, where you're going to have a, the three or four person panel speaking on said topic. There's always going to be a handful of them about enjoying uh, or having fun uh, entertainment uh, in sobriety and what mm-hmm. that means and how long it took different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, and I still experience that today in, in meetings and things when people are like, wow, you can go to this place and not feel like you <laughs> should drink. And I can say that, it wasn't always tempting for me to have a drink, but for me to go without having, um, um, feeling anxiety or anxious or mm-hmm. having, um, uh, about of emotional character defects, you know, and, uh, and things like that. Uh, it was good. Again, um, you know, my focus was on, I was, it was hopeful. That's what I got out of it. I, I saw like, yeah. okay, I, I didn't feel really, I wasn't doing that right then. And I, I wasn't, experiencing that right then but i had hope that i i could in the future yep and uh there was another dance there another aa dance Mm -hmm. so that was that was amusing for me uh so we went to check that out for a bit so more people better dj or same kind of experience for you um pretty much the same kind of experience a little bit a bigger room Uh maybe a little bit more people dancing I think I want to skip forward, uh, and I don't know, maybe you had I went to some others, but you went to the AA International Convention in yeah. Atlanta this year, right? Which is huge. Uh, it happens every five years, so I guess everybody kind of saves it up, and, and I don't know. Any, how was that? What was that experience like? And how did maybe, how is it similar to, and how is it different from your other uh, experiences? Oh, Wow. Okay, what was that like? That was like gigantic. I mean, bigger than we could even have imagined. Um, Atlanta, it was in Atlanta, and Atlanta, I, I think I looked at Wikipedia, you know, and, and it was sort of 
built to be a convention town the last several decades, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so in Detroit, we have a convention complex called Cobo Hall. And so in Atlanta, they have sort of the equivalent. I, c- <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, so part of the whole convention event uh, took place in uh, the, it was, I forgot the name of the complex, but it was like one Kobo hall, but then that was like building a, and, and so we wanted to go somewhere and, and uh, the directions or somebody was telling us it's in building B and we look and there's like a whole separate building with more panels and more, uh, it was gigantic. And then there, that was right next door to the uh, Atlanta um, fo- professional football. Uh, mm. Right. Was it football or basketball? Huge arena. And uh, that's where the big meetings were. That were the, uh, that's where the main speakers were. Yeah. My wife, my wife went and uh, she texted me a, a picture from that, whatever center yeah. that, that it was in. And uh, I think I'll stick a picture of that, that photo on the, uh, on the, uh, the webpage for this, uh, this episode of the podcast. So that, you know, yeah. it's a cell phone picture, but it, it, it get a feel for, I, she said 60,000 people or something in AA meeting with like 60,000 people. Was the, we, we heard, we went to know, the, that's, um, that's what she said. We went to the Michigan state convention of mm-hmm. AA and Al-Anon. And, um, about a month and a half ago. And they, they said there that they got the official count in, and I can't remember if it was 50, was it 57,000 at Atlanta? Was okay. it 69, 69,000, something in that range? A large number. Very <laughs> large. And, and so that complex I was talking about, yeah. that's not even including any of the Al-Anon participation. So, yeah. So how did that work for you? <laughs> that was across downtown Atlanta. There's like a, a Olympic Centennial Park where they had the Olympic, oh, yeah. some of the Olympic yeah, festivities. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like a 15, 20 minute walk through the you know, Atlanta heat um, <laughs> to get oh, to... In July, right? In because July. Because it's 4th of July weekend this 4th happens. 4th of July weekend, yeah. yep. There's this huge, modern, beautiful hotel and that's where all the Al-Anon panels were. And um, I, I didn't like that that was completely cut off because mm-hmm. like in the two Michigan conventions we'd gone to there were one or two thousand people attending right. we could go together as a couple or break up and meet up with people yeah. and you didn't have to do all this strict planning and strategizing about you know we're going to drive into the city and get dropped off here take the train and make it walk in here for you know 15 20 minutes walk so I didn't like that it so was that so was, spread. That was a, a, a negative for you. Yeah, it was really um, overwhelming. And, and this was a sentiment that a lot of people were expressing, that it was hot and large and overwhelming. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. one of the impressions I have. Okay. Um, how about you, Alvin? What was, what, what was sort of your first impression or the, the, the big take-home that you had from that uh, AA convention? Well, um the massive size of it. I don't think I had any, at any of the other conventions, there was no, like, I had no awe-striking moment. Like, <laughs> wow. I guess there was a wow moment, but, I mean, when you're talking at, from going to the last, the March Roundup convention, seeing maybe two or 3,000 people in a ballroom, that's impressive. Yes. That's what I call impressive. But going yeah. from that to 60,000 in the Georgia Dome, yeah. that was a, uh, 
like a stop whatever you're doing moment and take it all in. And that was, uh, I was telling her earlier today, like that was probably one of the first like, um, electric, if you will, uh, spiritual experiences I had. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just hadn't ever experienced through all my step work, like any, like, uh, you know, lightning bolt moment, like, wow, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, um, so, so yeah, that was definitely the biggest, the, the biggest thing was like, wow, 60,000 people, this is huge. I'm part of this huge thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just takes like the massiveness of what you're involved in. You're practicing in your little daily life. You know, here you are, you're trying to get, uh, help you with relationships, help you be, you know, find serenity and peace in your life. And, but then you see this massive scale that this many other people, and this is just a tip of the iceberg. And then, uh, when they went through the flag ceremony and they showed the, the amount of countries, that was like, a, that was it really a, was international. Mm-hmm. Very much international. Like you know, I kept on forgetting. I guess you could say that it wasn't just a national convention, but it was international. Mm-hmm. And um, the this how uh, over a generally short time period, when from the start, you know, right. back in the thirties um, to now, which is it's fairly short in the grand scheme of yeah. things, how worldwide it really is. And uh, you know, that was um, that was another spiritual experience I had. Um, and it was really on a, on a spiritual level for me. It wasn't like logic, trying to put logic, things I've learned into practice. That was like, wow, the, this is what um, is being put into practice by the world. And, uh, you know, like I said, it just uh, it rocked me on a spiritual level. And it was, and it was um, hard to understand that first night, really hard to understand what some of the speakers were saying because of... Uh, reverberation and mm. we were up in the upper bowl we were rushed um so i can say overall i didn't get a ton out of what um the messages that were spoken um unfortunately and that's um that's something that i would say that the both of us could take away as a learning experience on how to maximize conferences how mm-hmm. we can get more mm-hmm. out of them um you know for me, I, I had some struggles on getting that portion, and that was um, I struggle with not walking away with a little bit of a resentful uh-huh. spirit. And uh, you know, now I can say that I'm not resentful about it, but um, it was definitely a struggle for me because I wanted I wanted a little bit more. But you know, focusing on the positive thing for me was that I had my first light lightning bolt spiritual experience, and I had two of them when I was there. Wow! So it was a, it was a big deal. Wow! It was mm-hmm. definitely a big deal, and. We went through a lot to get there. It wasn't mm-hmm. a twenty-minute drive. No. Mm-hmm. It wasn't down the road. Um, Did you drive to yes. Atlanta? Yeah, that's that's a nine-hour drive, which she <laughs> did on her own with just me as a sidekick. Wow, it was exhausting. Kind yeah, we didn't we didn't plan the the drive time really that well. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to stop overnight and sleep in the car. Uh, okay, been <laughs> there, done that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've heard people talk about the conventions are not uh, necessarily what you're learning in the panels. It's about the uh, bigger picture, the fellowship, the people you meet, the celebration that is life in a program. Mm-hmm. In life and mm-hmm. recovery, mm-hmm. and it's 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 about those other things too. Yeah. And and I can't divorce uh, I can't divorce 
the the part of it that um, was really made things even more meaningful for me, and that was we got to see family down there, mm. my family. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm just I'm thinking here. I am talking to you guys about uh, recovery conventions, and I haven't actually been to one, um, but a couple of well. In 2006, and then again a couple of years ago, I went to the uh, national meeting of um, my faith tradition, which is about four or five thousand people that come to the the meeting, uh, the annual meeting. And you talk about a spiritual experience, and I don't think I took as well advantage of it the first time I went, but I do remember Sunday morning worship in a large convention center hall with like four thousand people. And I know that some people go to a church where you got four thousand people, but for me, like I, I belong to a large church in this denomination, and we have um, typically on a Sunday morning we have two services, and each service will have maybe two hundred people in it. Okay, so to be in this room with four thousand people all worshiping together was an amazing, amazing experience. Just um, both, just sort of feeling the vibe, the connection, but also like when we were singing. Um, a lot more voices, you know, mm-hmm. and a huge choir uh, because they they sort of brought together good singers from all of mm-hmm. the congregations that were coming. And then when I went two years ago, um, I took advantage of the fact that there was there was uh, worship available multiple times a day. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember at one point I was just feeling really down about something, and instead of going to some workshop about some something informational that probably I could have brought back and used, uh, I said, "No, I'm going to go to this worship service, which was and this this one was particular one was an international worship service, so it brought in sort of a singing one. It had people bringing in songs from you know Africa and Europe, and I don't remember where all, but you know it just was the opportunity to be able to do that at any point during the day." Uh, was was really enabled me to put aside what was happening outside and to really just be there for that that purpose. And it sounds to me like you might have found some of that uh, in the international convention. And like you say, it wasn't so much about what happened in a particular workshop, what you learned or what you um, you know intellectually brought away, but that experience of mm-hmm. community huge community oh yeah the 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 uh the serenity prayer yeah. being said oh, by wow. sixty thousand people Woo. in one room <laughs> yeah. that was a big moment for us yeah that power yeah and then also the old timers panel um that was everybody who who signed up in advance who had 50 or more years of sobriety and they sat in their own section in the front of the georgia dome and that was really beautiful. And then, of course, the countdown or the count up, right. where everybody uh, in the dome either stands up. Or did, can you help me with this, Alvin? I Which way remember. did they do the countdown? I like the way they did it. They did it differently than in Michigan. Okay. They did it They did it um, from early sobriety on. So it started off with a ton of people standing up. And then what was left was the old timers. So, so that's as they moved through the years, you sit down. Mm-hmm. Yep. So everybody stands up. Okay. Everybody has, uh, yeah. And so that was cool because you get to Except look. Except for the Alanons. Except for the Alanons. <laughs> then yeah. you could point them out and I, you know, like <laughs> high five people across the row. Yeah. 
Yeah, Anon. <laughs> and that was a that was a special experience for us too because we were on the floor of the Georgia Dome. Um, mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. got to look up. We uh, getting we got more out of the speakers themselves. The, the old time you could hear better down there. We could hear better. We got to go in uh, handicap access because um, Elvin was having some some pain. Huh. And they were very accommodating and nice. We just asked, do you have any wheelchairs for rent? And they said, we're sorry. We're really sorry. We're out. Here's a pass. We're going to take you to the floor. Blah, blah, blah. Nice. Took yeah. care I mean, of not us. nice that you were in pain, but. <laughs> a lot of walking. Well treated. Well treated. And we got this beautiful, like, I loved sitting down there compared to up in the risers. So, so it's kind of like being in a stadium when they're doing a wave or something almost. Yeah. Except more so. We were pretty close to the old timers uh-huh. area, the 50, 50 years plus. And mm-hmm. that was really, for me, that was really something special to be that close to all these people who have had 50 years of experience in the program. Yeah. And, the, and then 10 of them spoke and it was all unplanned. It oh, was, really? Yeah. The, if, if you wanted to be in the old timers area on the floor in the old timers panel, um, they would, you'd register and you'd sit there and, and then they would, uh, pull these numbers or names oh. and they picked 12 of them to talk for five minutes each, I think, Elvin. Yeah. Try to do your story in five minutes, huh? That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Wow. So high point there, just try to, you can tell me if I'm if I'm wrong, but your high point there was really about the spirituality and the community, mm-hmm. um, and your low point was also about how big it was and how <laughs> yeah. how far apart things were and and hot and hot. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. Detroit in July in 2020. Who knows? Huh? There will be no pain. There'll be no hot because we will have this thing down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, what would what would you say? And I think I know the answer. But what would you say to somebody who's never been to a recovery convention? Um. Actually, I want to add. Absolutely. I, I wanted to add. We will be in Detroit in 2015. I don't know if anybody knows that, but the international convention. You mean 2020. 20. Sorry, year 2020. <laughs> we'll be here in 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 Detroit, and that's really cool. A lot of people, you know, would be leaving the conference or we'd see people with name badges and you could see where they were from. It was written on their badges. You're like, Michigan, yeah. And you'd be like, Detroit 2020. (laughs) So a lot of people are really excited about that. It's only five years away. You know, this huge thing, you know, a lot to plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I will be be at that one. Yay. Um, My wife went to San Antonio five years ago. She went to Atlanta. Um, and those almost correspond with her sobriety anniversary. Oh. Um, she's she got sober long term in two thousand five. Okay. So she was almost five years for San Antonio, almost ten years for Atlanta, and God willing, and the program uh, fifteen years in twenty twenty. Um, so that that'll be. Uh, That'll be big. It's big for us because we have a big community here. Yeah, we do. We do. All right. So coming back, what would what mm-hmm. would you say to somebody who maybe hasn't been to a convention, is doesn't know why they would want to go? Maybe you've said said that, but can you can you kind of summarize? Do you want to go? 
Yeah, it's easy for me. I mean, on the AA side of things, it's going to be a regardless on the, of the size of it, you're going to leave with some really important things. Um, I could say that I've left with something really important and cornerstone to my to my to my program. Every single one I've gone to, and regardless of what attitude I was having in that moment, oh. I've I've left with something that has really been fundamental to me, and that I can look back and uh, remember. And, uh, and so I, I can always, of course, as you said, you probably already know what our answers are going to be. Like you have, you, it's really important to go, um, and that you will always be very happy that you went, that you went. Um, all right. Thank yeah. you. Annie, how about you? I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's in Al-Anon or AA, but I'm speaking from the Al-Anon perspective. Yeah. Yeah. People in Al-Anon may think that because it's an official Alcoholics Anonymous event, and then, you know, subtitle with official Al-Anon participation that, that it's not really for them. But, uh, for me, it really is. I feel very at home with AA people and, mm-hmm. and program talk because, you know, same 12 steps, a lot of the same struggles were in the same situations, just the other side of it. I think that Al-Anons can learn a lot. Represent Al-Anon, <laughs> too. And, you know, some places have actual Al-Anon conventions. I think they're a lot rarer than AA conventions. Mm-hmm. And I, I know there's a there's an annual one here in Michigan. It's up up north, and I haven't been because it's up north, and it you know, <laughs> costs money. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like, you know, it would be good. it would be good to check out one of those, too, for me. Um, yeah. I have thought about going. Um, I know a couple of years ago, or maybe it was just last year, Mark uh, from Recovered Cast was speaking at a, a convention up in Traverse City, which is about five hours from here, for those of you who don't understand Michigan, which is probably most of you. Uh, and uh, and I really wanted to go. And as it happened, I had a conflict um, that I couldn't put aside for that weekend, or I probably would have gone. And that would have been my first, really. Um, so after talking to you guys, I'm even more inspired to to find one and go. And one of the things that, that you didn't say, but I heard you in your discussion of sort of your first one, your second one, was that um, going with somebody, going with friends, uh, could be really valuable to your experience of maybe not feeling so alone. Uh, I know when I go to any kind of a conference, if I'm there with somebody that I know, at least I have somebody I can sit with. Uh, and especially if it's the first time at a particular conference or particular kind of conference, having somebody I can be with uh, mm-hmm. as I'm experiencing this strange new place and strange new events um, is really helpful. Uh, and I think I think Mark um, Recovered Podcast did a did a, a show about going to conventions um, a few months ago, maybe and. And I heard mm-hmm. him yeah. talking about his experience and the first one he went to by himself and the second one he went to with somebody and how much mm-hmm. easier it was and uh, having having a friend there, not being alone. Well, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. 
I have an announcement. You have an announcement. Yeah, the Tri County Convention. That's the first uh, conference that that we attended. That's coming up in uh, um, Troy, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. Yeah. It's on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, October second, uh, October third, and October fourth. So it's all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then Sunday, uh, like nine to noon. Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. Totally. <laughs> it's only like twenty dollars. Right. Uh, well, I will talk to I will talk to my loved one about that, and maybe we uh, maybe we'll be there. Thanks for having us. Hey, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Our first musical selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com dot com slash one hundred twenty five, is the song Woodstock by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. It's a celebration of people coming together for a common purpose. Uh, Here's a few lyrics. We are stardust. We are golden. We are billion-year-old carbon, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives and recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. It's been a couple of weeks, and uh, kind of eventful in program sense, at least, and in real life as well. My wife and I had a dual celebration a couple of weeks ago on Labor Day weekend. She was celebrating 10 years sober, and we had also been together for 35 years that week. We thought it was time for a party, and so um, we got a cake and some refreshments and invited a bunch of friends and had a very nice afternoon with uh, you know friends meeting each other for the first time and discovering what they had in common. It was, uh, it was really nice. And it's nice to be able to be out front and, and open about our lives as well in that way. Was it last, last Saturday, I think? Yeah. Um, we uh, had decided in the group conscience of my Saturday meeting, which has been a step meeting, for years, to add a once-a-month table to study the traditions. And so we had the first meeting of that table, and we started with Tradition 1. And it's kind of funny to uh, to relate that some people thought, oh, well, it's September, so we'll probably be starting with Tradition 9. And, and they said, well, I looked at Tradition 9 and thought, uh, I don't really want to go for that. But we started with Tradition 1, and as always, it seems like always happens in a meeting, whatever the topic of the meeting is, there are at least a, a couple people to whom it speaks directly. It was, a, And in fact, the, the person who said, oh, I didn't want to come for Tradition 9, at, uh, when it came time to share, said, this was exactly what I needed, here is the situation that's going on in my life, and now I understand uh, how this tradition applies to this situation in my life, and how I can use it there to to help me um, deal with it in a better way. So it was a very good meeting. I think we're going to continue that table. What I'd like to see, and gradually, gradually, I'd like to see us uh, maybe alternate the traditions and the steps, at just like a become a, an Al-Anon 12 and 12 meeting, because the traditions have been so helpful to, to many of us, to me in particular, in learning how to interact with other people in group settings, whether it's family, work, etc. 
as well as understanding more about how Al-Anon itself works. I got an email from my boss who had been on vacation saying that his brother had been taken suddenly ill, was in the hospital, and that he was going to stay there and wasn't sure when he would be getting back to work. And the next day, another email saying that his brother had died that morning that and that he would be coming back uh, and the memorial service is going to be later in the month. And he ended it, and this is sort of surprising to me, not something that you expect to see in an email from your boss, I guess. He ended it by saying uh, that, uh, you know, whenever you leave your loved ones, remember to say that you love them because you never know it might be the last time. And our child had come home to our house from where they're now living in Colorado to attend our 10 and 35 celebration. And as I was dropping them off at the airport on Monday morning, I remembered that email from my boss and said, I love you. And he said, I love you too, daddy. And just uh, a little thing that was said in a meeting and I wrote it down because well, it connected to the episode on worry we did a few weeks ago and it just seemed so wise. And I'm, I'm trying to, to start to collect these things that I hear and write them down because I don't always remember them. I'm inspired by a person in one of my meetings who carries what she calls her wisdom book in which she writes the things she hears at meetings that really strike her. Anyway, a, a practice that uh, I, I commend to you uh, if you want to try it. And what this person said, and we were, we were talking about worrying, and he said, worry, or she, I don't remember. Worry is like praying for what you don't want. Uh, huh. Uh, because for me, a big part of prayer is focused attention and worry is definitely focused attention, and I hadn't sort of made that connection for between prayer, which is a positive thing and helps me to to get my mind and my attitude moving in in a good direction, and worry, which definitely when I do it moves my mind and my attitude in a negative direction. So worry is like praying for what you don't want. Upcoming topics, uh, we will be talking about concepts 8, 9, possibly 10. And I got a, uh, I received a, a recorded share from an Al-Anon member that I guess she had used to open a meeting in her community. And I thought it would be a great sort of prompt for um, a mixed episode. So I'm going to post it separately and ask you if you were in a meeting where this was the lead for the meeting, what might you share in response to that lead and, and share it with us. And then I can put together an episode blending many people's voices on, on that topic. So I will be posting that, that shortly. You can join our conversation. We welcome your thoughts. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or questions. 
And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send an email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your question about today's topic of conferences and conventions, or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And you can find everything that there is to know, I guess, about The Recovery Show at our website, therecoveryshow.com. Notes for each episode, occasional blog, links to the music that we talk about, links to some other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. And now we'll take a short break before looking at the mailbag. Our second musical selection available on the website is, it's in contrast, it's a song about being alone. And I was inspired to this by Alvin's sharing about feeling isolated, even at the conference, uh, in his own head. And and so I picked this song, Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles, because for me, it's sort of the quintessential being alone song about somebody who lives their whole life alone, surrounded by people. Uh, she picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been and, and, and dies alone. And, uh, you know, the chorus is all the lonely people, where do they all belong? Uh, look at all the lonely people. And it seems that Possibly going to a conference might be a way to be less alone. All right, we got a voicemail from Emily. Hello, Spencer, and everybody at the Recovery Show. This is Emily from California. And um, I just listened to the episode on Al-Anon Dreams, and um, I just experienced something that I've experienced many times in my um, three years of Al-Anon, which is that it's like you hear your story coming out of someone else's mouth. Um, and I just thought it was so interesting that two of the people expressed a dream very similar to a dream that I have had um in the beginning of my recovery and definitely before my recovery, which is that you're in the back seat of a car and either someone else is driving or no one's driving. And it's just, uh, it's just very interesting because that is something that I also experienced. So it's very cool, um, to see other people experience or hear about experiences that are, you know, very close to home for you. So, um, just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate what you do so much, Spencer, and um, all of the co-hosts. I always appreciate hearing what all of you have to say. Um, it really helps me out. So thank you for your service, and keep coming back. Thank you for that, Emily. And uh, it does seem to be a, a common dream. Thanks. Got email uh, from Lori. She says, I'm new to al Just wondering how you feel about al workbooks and what would be the best choice. My online group has Blueprint for Progress available, but it only covers the fourth step. Thanks, Lori. And I did respond directly to Lori, but thought I would share my understanding uh, and my experience here. I have used several different books in my time in the program uh, for studying the steps and 
particularly for working the fourth step seems to be where a workbook is very helpful sometimes. The first book that I used for step study, and it also talks about, uh, covers the uh, traditions and the concepts, is the, the book Paths to Recovery. It's a hardback book. It has a chapter with a reading about each step, concept, or tradition uh, section with member shares on that step or whatever. And then questions that I can answer to help me understand uh, and or work that particular step or, you know, tradition or concept. Uh, that is the book that I used uh, both times I was in uh, an AWOL group, a, a, book, a small group studying the steps. AWOL means a way of life or a way of living. And it's sort of a workbook, but it, if you're going to write out the answers, which uh, I find very helpful to me, if I just try to answer questions in my head, I don't, I'm not as thorough, I don't get as deep with them. Uh, if you're going to write them out, you have to have a separate uh, notebook or journal to write them in. And I, you know, I found myself a nice hardbound journal with a, a pretty picture on the cover and uh, good quality paper because I figured it was important. And I wanted the book to reflect sort of the importance of the task that I was uh, engaged upon. There is, as Lori mentioned, the blueprint for progress. It's, uh, a very thorough fourth step workbook has something like 90 pages, 26 or 20 some odd sections on various topics with a number of questions on each topic and space to write in. And so this is a workbook that you can use, you can write in it, and when you want to do it again, you get a new one. Or you can write in a notebook separately. And uh, that's There's also a smaller version of the Blueprint for Progress that doesn't really have space to write in. It's uh, five by seven inch size sort of. Um, and that one actually, I think I compared it to the larger blueprint for progress and it's not exactly the same set of chapters. And I think not exactly the same set of questions, which is intriguing. And then there's another workbook that came out quite recently called reaching for personal freedom. Again, this one covers all 12 steps, traditions and concepts. And it's, Focus is on applying the steps, traditions, and concepts to your personal life and to your personal recovery. And I like that focus particularly for the traditions and concepts because it helps to bring them alive for me. If I don't apply them to my personal life, they're a little drier and a little less engaging. And again, this has a short reading at the beginning of each chapter and then sections each of which starts with a personal share or several personal shares, very short, and is followed by two, three, maybe four questions related to that subtopic, if you will. And, uh, and so that's a um, sort of intermediate, I feel, between paths to recovery uh, and the blueprint in its thoroughness, well, for step four, obviously, for the blueprint. Um, and, it, and it has a different focus, and it has space to write in if, if that's what you're inclined to do. Uh, so they're all three good. I think it really depends on, on what your focus is. Uh, the book that I have used with 
my sponsees is Paths to Recovery. Melinda sent an email. She says, thanks for your podcast. I listen to it often and happen to click on the Imperfections podcast today. The show's insights were right on time for what I happen to be going through with a couple of qualifiers. Today, I mentally repeated the phrase to myself, it's this person's turn to speak at several crucial moments when I was really triggered to go to a place of judgment and frustration and disconnect. That simple phrase helped me maintain my patience, perspective, and therefore compassion for the qualifier and myself in the situation. And as a result, I was able to keep moving forward in a positive way without getting unduly bogged down by resentment in that interaction. Definitely a higher power message. Thanks. And thank you, Melinda. Uh, I guess I never know what I'm going to say in a particular episode that that might be of use to somebody. And that, for me, is a higher power message. That even when... But that particular phrase, uh, it's their turn to speak, is one that I also have tried to use uh, because I found it so powerful being on the receiving end of somebody who uses that uh, in, in their interactions, in their listening. All right, we got a voicemail from Pat. Good morning, Spencer. This is Pat from the West Coast. Um, you were uh, talking about uh, group conscience to change your meetings to include the traditions. We did that almost three years ago in my home group. Prior to that, we alternated between a step and a topic, and we opted to put traditions in at first uh, meeting of the month, and that way we go through all 12 traditions in the year. So we're finishing up our third year of doing that. Wow, it has really added a lot of richness to the program and to our meetings, but at the same time, it's allowed us to continue working through the steps and having opportunities for topics in between times. I super enjoyed that. The other thing I really appreciate about your show is that you're also incorporating the concepts. And I found your concept discussions with Keila really, really um, enriching also. Um, so much so that with my sponsee that I'm working with now, um, I offered to her that we could work through rather than just step, a step, and then a tradition and then a concept, all of us are interrelated and kind of as they're presented in the forum, too. Uh, and she she really jumped at the chance and has really been enjoying that experience. So that's just some thought on incorporating traditions into weekly meetings. Thanks again so very much. Um, always super appreciative of what the quality you add to my life. Bye-bye. Hey, Pat, thank you. And thanks for the reminder to... Uh continue with the concepts series. Uh, hope to be doing that in the next week or two. Got an email about topics from Chris with the signature grateful member. Hi, Spencer et al. I've been listening since the relatively early days of the podcast. I've benefited a lot from listening to all of you share your experience, strength, and hope. I'm willing to say that I much prefer shows focused around program literature. My first 12-step program, which I began attending 25 years ago, was quite young at the time and had little of its own literature. Members used whatever they could find that was related to that form of the disease of addiction. It wasn't until later that I understood why I was so confused. I didn't know what was and wasn't the message of recovery in that program. I imagine I'm preaching to the choir. I'm sure you're well aware of Alanoth's tradition of using conference-approved literature. And I understand that your show is just that, yours. It's not Al-Anon. Having said that, 
Use of Al-Anon literature clarifies the message. Obviously, there's tons to choose from. All this to say that I'm interested in an audio dose of Al-Anon. So long as I keep getting that message from the recovery show, I'll keep listening. Thanks all for your service. And, uh, and thank you, Chris, for that reminder um, that the literature of Al-Anon is extremely valuable and does help to keep us uh, focused and looking in a consistent direction, I guess. Doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Alice, David, Melinda, and Sherry did. And thanks again for your generous support. We have also put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link on the webpage. And if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether sharing the show with your friends or just listening to us, we are here for you. Last song selection for this topic is the song Dancing in the Streets by Martha Reeves and the Vandells. And it, this just captures for me the the joy of coming together for a purpose, whether it's learning more and practicing recovery or just dancing in the streets. Some lyrics here. Summer's here and the time is right for dancing in the street. They're dancing in Chicago, down in New Orleans, up in New York City. All we need is music, sweet music. There'll be music everywhere. And substitute recovering for dancing, substitute recovery for music, and there you go. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. Understanding love and peace growing you one day at a time.